All right, so uh, before I get to 1 Corinthians 12, we have a challenge verse for this month, and I just want to touch on it with you, uh, see if there's anything going on inside of you. Uh, it's Galatians 5, actually two verses in Galatians 5, and I, I kind of want to throw this out and see if you have any reaction to it. Uh, our challenge verse for this month is Galatians 5.1 and then 13. Galatians 5.1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You, my brothers, verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature or the flesh. All right, so what, what is that? When, when, I, when I read those verses to you, when we put that in front of you, what is that telling you? What is that doing inside of you? What is the Spirit challenging you with? Hence the term challenge verse. What is the Spirit challenging you with, with that truth? Anything, anything going on? Have, that's a, I think that applies perfectly. That's a great principle, and I hope everybody understands and knows that. When you start to make spiritual progress in your life, when you open yourself up to the Lord's work, have you felt the attack come? All right, so the verse describes you've been set free in Christ, and, and we have a, an idea of what that feels like, to be free, this is wonderful, I'm free. Except the, the warning there is, so stand firm and don't let yourself be pulled or, or attacked or drawn, bound back into slavery. Well, that doesn't sound right. Like, what is that? What it is is exactly that. As Christ sets you free, there is an attack that wants to pull you away from that freedom. Now, how in the world would you be set free and somehow be pulled into slavery and bondage again? That doesn't seem to make any sense. It doesn't seem like that's an appealing option, and yet so many people let themselves be pulled back into slavery. What's the, what's the underneath of that? What happens? What's there for that? Yeah, Desiree. There you go. That's, I mean, right? That's exactly right. There's, there is this attack, and, and some of it is based on where your comfort zone has been. Like you're saying, I've been this way, or I know my way around this, and Christ sets us free from it, and, it, and it's like, oh, this is great, except uh, well, I'm not, this is all new and different and weird, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. And there's a pull back to comfort, to what I know, to familiar, right? Um, and, and that's when you get down to verse 13, it talks about don't use your freedom as an opportunity to serve your flesh, which says, the way I give up freedom, understand this, the way I give up freedom is I fall for the lie that chasing my desires is the best expression of freedom. What I want. If I could just have what I want, then I would be truly free. And, and what he says there is, that's your path back to bondage. What are you bound to? You're bound to your desires. You're bound to your flesh, right? And, and so what happens there in the battle that you guys are describing is the, the, who's going to be in the driver's seat of my life? My desires, me, or God? Who's, who am I listening to here? And you all know that there are, especially in relationships, there are powerful forces that, that pull you towards what I want here, what I think should be here. And so we, we tend to, as we look to God, we tend to look to God with let me tell you, instead of looking to God with, please tell me, you know, and, and this way is stand firm in your freedom. So good stuff. And I would tell you, when we put out a challenge verse like that, put it in front of your face, look at it every day because God is working on you. And so it helps you because if you're, you know, like you're describing, if you're trying to move forward in your spiritual life and you're just getting bombarded and you're like, 
what is this? You know, why would anybody try to serve the Lord when this happens? Understand that it's not God doing that to you. It's the enemy trying to defeat you, trying to pull you back into stuff that's not healthy, that's not good, that is a false promise. Um, And so stand firm in freedom. And the word stand firm there, it's like take your stance for battle. (laughs) That literally, that's what it means. And it had the idea of when you are uh, in a battle, in a a war, hand-to-hand combat, there were a lot of slippery places and you could lose your footing quickly. And if you lost your footing and you wound up on the ground, was not good in hand-to-hand combat battles, you know what I mean? If you're on the ground and somebody's above you, they have the advantage. So stand firm was prepare yourself, knowing that an attack is coming. Attack against your freedom, the freedom of your soul. And so, you know, we talked Sunday about the fruit that you have that's available in your life, and peace and joy and love and hope. And Stand firm. You have to choose it. It doesn't, it's not just... You know, oh, well, I guess today's a good day because I'm full of joy and tomorrow I don't know what happened. You stand firm in your freedom. You choose it. You choose how you're going to look at life and how you're going to look at, you know, your circumstances and your job and and your finances and your health and all that stuff. You choose how you're going to look at it and you stand firm in what you know God has given you. All right. First Corinthians 12 is where we're going to go. Pick up our study as we keep going through this. Um, basically, we're in a, a spot here where the Corinthians have, uh, they have a struggle about a lot of things, as we've seen as we've gone through the book. But this struggle for the next three chapters is really about how they, um, how they exercise spiritual gifts at their, in, in their church as they get together. What do they do with spiritual gifts? Um, we're going to find, as we go forward, that they, they really desired one gift above all other gifts. They really elevated one gift as the pinnacle gift of all the gifts. Uh, and Paul is correcting them to say, no, that's not the way you should look at it. So last time we started, we, we looked at verse 3. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All right, so when we talked about this last time, what we said is the defining characteristic of the work of the Holy Spirit, first of all, is that spiritual gifts are empowered inside of you as the Spirit is in control of you, right? True Spirit-filledness fills up your spiritual gifts and you use them. What are spiritual gifts? We'll, we'll take a look at what some of them are in a minute. But true spiritual gifts do not work in human power. They work in the Spirit's power, which is 180 degrees from most religious discussions, which says... You should serve God. Try really hard. Make sure that you stomp out all the things in your life that are bad and make sure you do all the things that are good and then go before the Lord and be like, am I okay? Am I good enough? That's what religious systems do. What Paul is describing here is that as the Spirit fills you, as the Spirit empowers you, then you can do for the kingdom of God. Just like Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing spiritually worthwhile, spiritually full. Right, so we saw that, and then there was some confusion about you know what what is actually the spirit at work and what isn't, and so Paul gives this first litmus test, and in the litmus test is basically what is Jesus shown as in this? Is he a side note? Is he not in view? Is he Lord? Is he dismissed? Is he cursed? Like what? What's Jesus' role in this? And what Paul is saying in that, and we looked at this last week, what Paul is saying in that is that um, the work of spiritual gifts 
elevate Jesus Christ. Because if you remember, as we looked in, in John, and we're going to look at it again as we get to chapter 15 and 16, the work of the Spirit is to teach us about the Son, to glorify the Son, to remind us about the Son. That's the work of the Spirit. And so if the Spirit is in you at work, it's going to be all about Jesus, right? He's going to be seen as high and lifted up. So we get into this stuff. We talked last time about all these spiritual things out there and, you know, readers of the future and psychics and all that stuff. And sometimes they're right. And what does that mean? And, and it can get very confusing. Paul's answer to that is, if Jesus is not a part of it, if Jesus is not glorified in it, if Jesus is not the main focus of it, if his kingdom is not built through it, then it's not of the spirit because that's what the spirit does. Does that make sense? In other words, you know, all these things out there where, you know, we talked about crimes getting solved by psychics and all that stuff. The, the specificity of Jesus as the core of it is Paul's litmus test. What does this do to the name and reputation of Jesus? Is it neutral? Is it negative or is it positive like it would be if it was the Spirit? And he says, that's how you can know that the Spirit's in you. By the way, inside of you, if you're, tr- if you're struggling to know what's the Spirit's voice in me, look at all the voices that you're hearing. Not that you're hearing a ton of different voices, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's not like you people are all like... So what I'm saying is the, the, the thoughts that occur to you. What some, if you're a believer, some of those thoughts are coming from the Spirit, but they may sound the same to you as the accusations and the other things. How do I get to the bottom of what that is? Paul says, what does it do in you towards Jesus? Is Jesus Lord? Is he God? Is he sufficient? Is he worthy of honor and worship and praise? Is he enough? Is he my savior, my redeemer, my sacrifice? Is Jesus in the work that's getting done, the, the, the pathway that I'm encouraged to go, what does it do in my relationship with Jesus, my trust in Jesus, my view of Jesus? That's what the spirit does, right? If it's something else, if it's a pathway that leads me towards being stressed out, if it's a pathway that leads me towards indulging my flesh, it, this is not the work of the Spirit. It's a, it's a litmus test. It's an easy tell. Is this God or is this not? It's one of the ways we, we do that. It's core values when we get to our, as a church. Core value number one for us is we value walking by faith instead of sight. And that means all of us. In my personal life, in my walk with the Lord, if I, you know... I get comfortable in what I know and what I can do and what I can handle. I get comfortable in the answers that are, that are controllable. But is that walking by faith? Am I looking to the Lord and saying, is this what you, you've given me this ability and you've given me this opportunity? Are you asking me to step into it? Or are you asking me to let that go by faith and just trust you? Walking by faith, you know? So that God is enough, that God is right, that Jesus is Lord, or is Jesus cursed? Is Jesus worthless? Is Jesus not a part of your decision-making process? And so Paul says, as these, these miracle workers, and it seems like there were people who were really good at like magic tricks and maybe even demonic power, and they were showing up in the church and they were doing unbelievable stuff. And, they were, and the Corinthians were like, um, is this God? This has to be God. This is supernatural. This has to be God. Paul said, well, you'll know depending on their viewpoint on Jesus, depending on what their testimony of Jesus is, if they even have one. Make sense? Okay, so we kind of talked about that last time. So this time, we're picking up at the, the verse 4, and we're trying to, I'll read down to verse 11. We're going to talk about the first chunk of this. It says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, 
but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. All right, so the emphasis there when we talk about spiritual gifts is the work of whom? The Spirit, right? It's pretty obvious. It's Spirit, 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 Spirit. Okay, so we can get fixated on what the gifts are, but but the the focus of this passage is the spirit. Okay, so he begins it with these three statements, this triad, which is kind of where we finished up last time. They are meant, they are kind of in parallel. Can you see that they're in parallel to each one? There's different kinds of gifts, same spirit, different kinds of service, same Lord, different kinds of working, same God. It's different, 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 same, same, same. So they line up. They're kind of parallel. And, and that's a literary device. It's a rhetorical device that's meant to emphasize a point. So what point is Paul emphasizing there? So think with me. I'll t- I'm going to describe what this says, and then you tell me what the point is. Okay? So the first thing he says, there are different kinds of gifts. Um, the word gifts there is the word that we would think of as abilities, spiritual abilities. These supernatural abilities, which, which are listed below, uh, some of them uh, prophecy and um, healing powers and faith and knowledge and wisdom and, and all kinds of different gifts. Okay? There are abilities that you have because you are a child of God that can get used as the Spirit fills you. And they are different. They are, not everybody has the same gifts. Okay? Everybody has a different gift and a different set of gifts to different, you know, different ways that that mix happens inside of you. So there's different gifts out there. We are not, as unified, the same. We are unified in our diversity, which makes a lot of sense to us. You know, one of, one of the things I say to pre-marriage couples is, um, you are two different people. You know, that, that is a good news and bad news thing. The good news is you're not the same person because you would kill each other, right? The bad news is you're not the same person, so you're not going to see almost anything the same way. Everything that you happens in your life, you're going to have two different takes on it. You have two different like outcomes and outlooks and decisions from it. Well, that's God's work there, but that, they're different, right? You're different. Okay, so there's different gifts, different abilities, the same spirit. Then he says there are different services. What he's saying in services is there are different ways of using the same gifts. So, for example, you have the gift of teaching. Are there different ways to use the gift of teaching? Like what? What are different ways to use the gift of teaching? Give me some thoughts. Okay. So there's different audiences, different ages to teach, right? So it's the gift of teaching, but it's a very, trust me, it's a very different thing to teach a little group of four-year-olds than it is to teach, you know, a hundred adults. It's a very different They're both the same gift. They're both called teaching, but they're different ways of using that gift. All right? Um, Go ahead, Kat. Yes. Yes. 
So a lot of times somebody who's gifted as a counselor would have the gift of teaching, being able to take knowledge and put it into digestible, understandable, usable bits, right? Probably coupled with a gift of wisdom or something like that. But the gift of teaching in a one-on-one or a one-on-two setting as opposed to a gift of teaching that's getting used in a, a corporate setting, right? So there's different ages and there's different amounts. There's different crowds. There's different numbers of people, right? Well, I'll tell you what, what you're talking about, different styles of teaching. Because there are teachers, and we've heard them before, um, teachers who, te- who teach by story. I'm going to tell you a story about my life. And I'm not talking about like my little you know, pitiful examples that I use at the beginning of a sermon sometimes. I'm talking about somebody who's like, for the next half hour, I'm going to tell you in detail this story about my life. And by telling you this story, you're going to be learning about how God works. There's storytelling teachers. Then there are, you know, academic teachers that are all about, you know, here's the cross-reference and here's the word meaning and here's the, you know, the real, real technical. Then there's relational teachers of who, there's just different styles of teaching. Same gift, teaching, but different ways of using that gift, right? Okay? So, and Paul says, so even though you have the same source, first it was one spirit, now it's one Lord, the same Lord, You have different gifts and you have different services. You have different ways of using the same gifts. The third thing is different kinds of workings. And then the same God works all of them in all men. Literally, there are different effects or different results, which is hard for people. It means that God may give you a gift to use and the results you see may differ very very greatly from the results someone else with the same gift sees. Now, what, is it, what, what experience does that have on you? What, what, what does that do to you? If you're using a gift and you see results different from somebody else who's doing the same thing. Yes. I'm using the same spiritual gift. Maybe, you know, maybe it's the gift of discernment, right? And I'm able to, to tell what's the, the right or the wrong, what, what's the work of God or not the work of God. And usually that comes with a communication gift, the ability to tell other people. And this gift of discernment, which is from the Spirit of God and filled by the power of God, is used and nobody reacts. And this gift is used and lots of people react. So what's the struggle there? Yes. This sounds like something that may have happened. Okay. Right? And you get frustrated? Yeah. See, she's a story teacher over there, right? You get, your, your pride gets wounded a little bit. What? You know, and, and you kind of look at it and go, what did I do wrong? And Paul saying here, you may not have done anything wrong. God's plan may be for your ministry to not be as fruitful through your spiritual gifts as someone else. It doesn't mean your ministry isn't purposeful. What's the struggle? Why do we struggle with that? I mean, that doesn't, like offend my mind to think that God might have a plan for me that doesn't look exceedingly fruitful. If it's God's plan, it's God's plan and I get that and that's fine and that's the way it is. And there are people out there who are probably much better pastors than I am that have much smaller churches and people maybe who are much worse pastors than I am have much bigger churches. Why is that a problem? Why do I even look at that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's not at all, you know, God tells us, walk our own path, walk the path I give you. Yeah. Not the path you want to take. So it's challenging me to walk by faith instead of sight, right? Yes. Yeah. I want it to be 
It does bring self-doubt, doesn't it? Right? It's the question God's asking all of us. Right. Is this about me or is this about what you can see? It's about results? What is this about? Because, you know, I, there are times where, you know, you, you, you give your gift in some way to someone, whether it's a, a family member that you love or whatever, and you give it and it seems like nothing happened. This was 12 years as a youth pastor. That was my whole experience. You know, it was like, is anybody out there listening to me? Because you all look like you're bored to death, right? So the challenge is then, do I know God's called me to this? Will I keep doing this in spite of the fact that I have evaluated what I see and say nothing's happening? Because guess what? Something was happening. There are people who came back years later and quoted some things that I said, and I was like, you were listening? But I didn't know that. Right? So it's a challenge of following God in spite of what I see and not because you do, you guess you second guess yourself. Am I am I in the way? Is there something wrong with me? Is it but it but I'm looking at where's my tuner? I'm looking at results. I'm looking at what I understand, what I see, and what God's saying is let's tune that out and draw close to me for that answer. And if there's something you need to change, I'll show you. But I'm not going to show you through that. I'm going to show you through my spirit with you. Right? Which is, I'd rather look at this stuff and figure out what's going on because I could do it myself rather than getting close to God and, and Him speaking to me. Something about that's appealing to me as a human being. Did you want to say something? Yeah. Well, and I think this, I think that's a good point. Why don't you just try them out and see? But how would you know? Right. How would you know which one is your spiritual gift as you tried them out? What He's saying is there's different like ways to use each gift and there's different responses to it. So my measuring stick in the end is we don't really have one. Except I could do it presumptively because the point of this is that God's spirit has given me gifts and as God's spirit gives me gifts, my responsibility is to respond to the spirit and use them. And so there is a sense that a healthy Christian, if you are healthy in Christ, your spiritual gifts will come alive. You won't have to dig them up. You, it will just be kind of the natural drawing of what you do. So there are some people who are naturally drawn to making sure that you know uh, their, their service needs, the help needs, the, the detail things get done. There are some people who are organizers and they just gravitate towards organizing stuff. It's a natural response because it's what God put inside of you. So the quest there is to be healthy spiritually so that as I'm healthy, connected to the Lord, those gifts begin to come to life inside of me. Well, nobody would do that though, right? Nobody would pick a gift that they want and just beat down the door to get that gift, right? Except we were just talking about this this week. Um, Some of our experience in in Christianity through the course of our lives and some ministries and churches and whatever we've been involved in glorified certain roles in the church. And they were the role that everybody, if you actually wanted to really love God, you had to take this role. Some of it was full-time ministry stuff and whatever, or being married to a pastor or whatever. And they, those were the glorified roles. And it sticks with you that I'm not doing everything I can for God unless I'm in this role, right? Now that is, was damaging beyond belief because what my attention was presumptively turned to a role that nobody could argue with serves God, except that role doesn't serve God if God didn't make you for it. 
If you're doing it in your flesh of your own design or because you believed a lie and you were deceived into thinking that was what you needed to pursue, it doesn't do God any good because the Spirit of God doesn't fill things that God didn't call you to do. He might use you in spite of you. There's a lot of in spite of in the kingdom of God, right? But you are sidestepped and misguided. And so what Paul is getting after with these people is, you guys think that there are some gifts that are more desirable than other gifts. Do you see that? He says, because you look at how it turns out. You look at whether you're teaching children or whether you're teaching adults. You look at whether you're getting applause or whether you're getting booed. You look at that. And then you decide what gifts you want. So as he says that, and that's what they're doing, they're going, we want that gift and I want that gift. And we can imagine which gifts those are. Paul is saying to them, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different acts of service, but the same Lord. There are different measures of the working, but the same God. So what's his point to them? What's he teaching them? One body, that's where we're going to go. Okay, they have to trust God and respond to the Spirit, otherwise this whole thing is useless. But value system, what's he saying to them about that? Okay, everything plays its part in the kingdom. Okay, some of his point here, and we're going to get into that, is God is the one who decides what gifts you get, not you. So if you're going to walk by faith, you don't get a vote. You get, you get to say, what do I get? Give it to me, I'll take it, and then we go. Because God made you, God designed you, God saved you and remade you in Christ. Now you trust him. Isn't trust at the very center of your ability to connect to God? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, really, it's impossible to know him. And so he's calling you to trust him because he's the one giving that gift. But value system underneath of this, they valued some gifts. And Paul is saying to them, literally, they're all exactly the same. Because the fact that they look different is just a mirage to your humanity that traps you. The fact that somebody's teaching a kid's class and I'm teaching in here to the adults doesn't make me more important or my gift more desirable than that gift. What makes anything desirable is are you serving the spirit, the kingdom of God in the spirit of God in the gifts he's called you to? And if you are, it's every bit as productive as if you were you know, leading thousands upon thousands. Because the role is determined by God and the fruitfulness is determined by God. What you get to do is decide whether you're in or you're not, whether you'll serve or whether you won't. And he's saying, and we have to believe this. For a church to be healthy, you have to believe this, that no matter what your gift is, it is not only essential, but it is every bit as important as any other gift, any other uh, way of using that gift, and any other effectiveness or results of any other gift. Your gift, if you will use it in faithfulness, fits perfectly into the kingdom of God and his plan here on earth. For example, because God works in a much bigger screen than we do, let's say you are in a, in a kid's class and your kid's class has two kids that come every week. I've been, I, when I was a kid, I was in a lot of Sunday school classes that had two kids, me and my brother. You know? <laughs> and we knew all the answers to all the questions because it's just the two of us. Um, let's say... That that teacher, and I don't know that teacher, but let's say that teacher was like really discouraged. I'm really pouring a lot into this. And every single week I get here and I teach these two little boys and, you know, they seem to already know it anyway, so I don't know what I'm doing. 
but God had a role in their life to influence my life. Now, if they said, I'm not going to do that, you see what I mean? Like we think in such small little pictures, we look at, is anything happening? Nothing's happening. There's no point to this. There's no faith in that people. We need to trust God's plan and let it unfold in our lives. Okay. Praise the Lord. Because that's what it is. I mean, 1 Corinthians 4 required in a steward that someone be found faithful, not successful, right? Not productive, faithful. I mean, there are times where the results that I'm seeing, the Spirit will use to prompt me to say, you need to change path. And I think as parents, I think as, you know, bosses at work, whatever, there's, there's feedback that comes, but I put it before the Lord. You know, God, is this what you've asked me to do? Yes, then I'm going to keep doing it. Yep, likes to, I mean, that picture of Satan liking to come and snatch the seed away, you know, it's just such a true, true picture. Somebody back there, Kath. So what we have to do is get out of the driver's seat in our lives. That merely is Paul's point. You guys are all about yourself. You're all fixed up on yourself. And I want this and I want that. And I want to be the keystone. I want to be the linchpin. I want to be the center piece. I want to be the hub that everything rolls around. I want my life to be meaningful and purposeful in a way that I can see and feel so that I get it and I can kind of feel good about myself. What Paul says is you, you should feel good about yourself because God has redeemed you, God has loved you, God has saved you, God has commissioned you. Now go and do what he asked you to do and don't worry about it. That's what, he, that's what he's saying here, right? And, and he kind of starts to give this sense because we'll get into the, you know, the body's not made up one one part if the foot should say because I'm not a hand, I don't belong. We'll get into that because that's what he gets to next. But what he's saying to them is, Hold on to this reality. Hold on to this idea because it's so easy for us to get off track and think that one gift matters more than another. And I don't matter unless I am central, unless I have a pivotal role in this. Do you know the only one who has a pivotal role in the cause of Christ? Christ. It is his kingdom come, his will be done. It's not us, it's him. And that's what is offensive to our flesh. It's all about him. It's about him being made known. And Paul talks about it. I will gladly suffer all these things that I may know him, that I may join him in the fellowship, that I can be with him because it's about him. Philippians 3, all of my accomplishments were nothing. Trash, garbage to be thrown out so that I will know him. And will we live for that cause? What we do is we go out and we go, you know, what's, what's in it for me? You know, all I need is a little bit of encouragement. God, why wouldn't you give me encouragement? I'll tell you why God doesn't give you encouragement when you think you need it. Because he wants you to trust him, not the encouragement. He wants you to choose to be faithful because you believe, not because you see, not because you feel. And that's hard. I would probably rather see. I would probably rather feel. I mean, I'd like trusting God and all but I'd like trusting God with the seeing and with the feeling, right? Like, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be easier? Don't you think? And God says, no, no, no. Now you're actually trusting the feeling. Now you're actually trusting the seeing. Trust me. Trust me. And just go forward in what I've asked you to do. So Paul says these spiritual gifts, these variety of spiritual gifts, even the ones that they think are super cool and the ones that they think are nothing, they are given for true and deep unity that we would be bonded together, and we're going to see that. That's why he uses the picture of it as a body, okay? A body. So if you sprain your ankle, do you go, stupid ankle, I'm just going to cut it off. I don't need that ankle anyway. It's just hurting me. 
Or do you take care of it? Do you favor it? Does it change your plans for the day? It's part of your body. You do not disassociate with something because it's causing you pain or because it's work. You know what I mean? Even if you got cancer, you know, and they were like, we got to take this out of you. You're not like, well, good. I don't need part of my body anyway. You're, there's like a mourning for that. You know what I mean? There's like a sadness. Like that's part of me. That's Because we have this like thing about us as a whole, as a collective whole. That's the example Paul uses about how the body functions, the body of Christ functions collectively together. And so the variety of gifts, some glorious, some behind the scenes, some seem really effective, some seem don't, not so effective. Some people feel like an appendix. You know, some people feel like an eye, whatever. Like you feel like this is a great gift. Oh, this, is a, this doesn't do anything. So that God says, I did that on purpose so that the body would work together, that there would be a deep connectedness amongst my people so that we need each other. That we, in order to serve the cause of Christ, in order for the kingdom of God to thrive, we have to do it together. So I can't do it all by myself. I can't even do much of it all by myself. I can do a little sliver of it by myself because it's what God called me to do. My, my job, I have to be faithful in my job. But in order for us, effectively as a church, to accomplish God's kingdom, all of us have to know and do the things that God's called us to do. And it's not this grand you know, hide-and-seek game with God. Oh, I just need to know what God wants me to do. God's not hiding out from you. See if you can figure it out. The whole, the whole point of this is that God gives gifts and God stirs them up in you and we quench them in selfishness, in self-centeredness. That's the point. The point is not, well, you, you're all confused because you don't know what gift you have because God's hidden it from you and you haven't sought it hard enough. It's that these gifts are naturally produced in you and show up in you when you let the Spirit have control. Then the Spirit does them inside of you. And we make it the other way around. Well, I would do what I, what I was supposed to do if I just knew what I was supposed to do. Well, maybe what you're supposed to do doesn't seem very big to you. And God's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be faithful to church. Just start there. Will you be faithful in that? Well, what do you want me to do? That's what I want you to do now. Will you give sacrificially to the work of God? Will you just give more than you think you can? Will you give? That's, well, show me the plan. Where's this all headed? No, the plan is, will you be faithful? Yes, no. That's the, that's the plan. Will you follow? Yes, no. That's what we're working on here. And we're going to work on it in these little steps so that as I move you from one role to another, as I take your gift and I use it in different service areas and different workings, we're growing in our ability to just tune everything else out and follow God. Step by step, faithful along the journey, when it looks like I'm not making any progress, when it looks like I'm not making any difference, will you just keep being faithful? And I will tell you from experience, there are many times in my life where that was what was in front of me. It looks like nothing's happening. As a matter of fact, it looks like we're going backwards pretty fast. So what normally, naturally, it causes you to look to the Lord and go, are we doing something wrong here? Am I on the wrong path? If we are on the wrong path, what will God do? He'll be like, yeah, you're on the wrong path. Yeah, let's do this instead. It's not a guessing game. If you go, Lord, am I on the wrong path? And nothing comes back, you're not on the wrong path. If you believe that God wants you to know his will, he is able to show you his will, he is present and passionate about showing you the way he wants you to go, then when you ask and God doesn't say anything, what's that mean? Keep going. 
He's already set you in a direction. Keep going. Keep being faithful in the little. And let God build you into other roles in his kingdom. Because it may be, you know, think about like Hudson Taylor, you know, the guy who evangelized China. He goes over to China and he does ministry for 20 years. And nobody gets saved. Nobody. He's a hero of our faith in part because he walked by faith year after year after year in faithfulness with nobody responding. Can you imagine that? How, how much does God have to develop your faith where if he called you to something like that, you'd be able to do it and wouldn't give up after six months or three months or one week, right? This is what God is at work in us and we keep thwarting it because nothing seems to happen and I got I to gotta reset, I got to start over, I got to start somewhere else, something's going wrong. I, can't, I progress, progress, progress. We're fascinated with progress and growth and results and God wants us fascinated with him with faith, with trust, with connectedness, with life, with filling. That's what he wants us. And he keeps drawing us and calling us, come to me, come to me. And we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking off, God. I'm going to go get this done. Did I ask you to do that? Is it time to do that? Giftedness. The Corinthians are probably uh, fascinated by the biggest results, the largest and most prestigious ministries, the awe-inspiring gifts, because it makes them feel good about themselves. It fills them with pride. Did you know pride is the mother of all sins? Why do I say that? Well, let's see. Where did sin begin? Lucifer. I will be like the Most High. I will exalt myself. Pride. Sin begins when Lucifer says, I'm going to follow pride here. And everything we do that is sinful... Everything we do that is sinful, whether it's telling a lie so I can maintain control, whether it's being immoral because I think it's no big deal, whether it's you know, being shady in, in, in my job dealings, in my business dealings, whatever it is, whether it's letting my anger get out of control, it all comes back to I know better than God. That's what it comes back to. God said, don't do this. I think it's the right thing to do or I think it's what I'm going to do because it's going to somehow be beneficial to me. That's why we do what's wrong, because we value our opinion, our perspective, our feelings, our ideas over God's. It's really hard to sin in humility. In genuine humility, it's really hard to sin, because in humility, we're, we're receptive. We're able to be led. Pride. And so the, the Corinthians have pride in spade. As they look around at the gifts, they, they glorify certain gifts that seem to be uh, miraculous, supernaturally powerful, those are the gifts that they want. And other gifts that don't seem so, you know, cheer-worthy, mm, okay, well, let's put those off to the side. You just, all you have is the gift of mercy. We don't really care about that. Let's put that off over here, you know. You have the gift of giving? Oh, yeah, you come up, you got the gift of giving? Come, yes, we like you, Right? So they, they evaluate the gifts and they decide which ones matter and which ones don't. And Paul said, you missed the whole point. They are spirit gifts. And the spirit is the point, not the gift. The spirit's work, the spirit's filling, that's the point. That God is the one unleashing us. And so these gifts are given in us not to, to serve our pride, not to build us up, but to call us to serve one another. Like our Lord served us, we are to follow in his steps. 
and serve one another. So God gave you a spiritual gift specifically so that you could serve the body of Christ and the cause of Christ. There is no gifting without a call to serve. And how many Christians has God gifted? All. So everyone is called to serve. So when you come through the doors to your church, this is your church, or you go to a different church, you come through the doors, there is an expectation that God has given you a gift and that you need to find a place to serve. I'm not talking about that there's not time to get to know people and figure out and feel your way around. Absolutely there is. But there should be the expectation that God is moving me towards serving because he's given me a gift. And as I am filled with the spirit, I am going to use that gift. Formal ministry and informal ministry. Maybe your gift is just a gift of encouragement. You don't need a role. I am, I am the pastor of encouragement. You don't need a role to go around and find people who look down and say, you look down today. What can I do to help you? Can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? You know what I mean? A ministry just to serve. You may not get a button. You may not get, you know, some title. You may not get your headshot on the website. Who cares? Right? It doesn't matter. You don't need a formal role to use your gift. Just go use it. Go help somebody. Serve somebody. Because of the love of Christ inside of you. And so the calling of each believer is to serve and you should be looking for that way to serve. And probably, you probably have more than one spiritual gift. You probably have a lot of gifts and a lot of callings in your life. The question is, in your gifts and in your callings, will you be faithful? Let me, let me give you the example of that. Uh, there's a gift th- that Paul calls out called evangelism. The supernatural ability to share the gospel and lead people to Christ. That is a gift. And that gift, if that gift is yours, we need your gift at work here at Hope in in our community and the people. We need your gift to evangelize. Okay? So let the Spirit fill you. Don't look at the results because that will convince you to give up, right? Share your faith. Lead people to Christ as God provides. But that doesn't mean that everybody else isn't called to evangelism. Right? So there's a difference between the gifts, which is your sweet spot. It's the place God made you to to serve supernaturally. And then the faithfulness in your calling, right? Evangelism, giving, showing up, encouraging, speaking kindly to one another, like just simple things. Well, it's not really my gift to speak kindly to people. Well, it doesn't need to be your gift. It's your calling, right? Like let your your speech be seasoned with grace, right? That's just a calling. Just what it is. So we get sometimes into this thing where it's like, well, that's not my gift, so I can't be involved in it. Baloney. I don't know that there's a spiritual gift of taking the trash out. It just needs to get done. Do you know what I mean? Like, who cares? Well, my spiritual gift really isn't cleaning the kitchen. doesn't matter. It needs to get done. And I'm not saying that there's not somebody who has a gift of service that that is you know, empowered and all that stuff, but there's also stuff that just needs to get done. So you're walking around and you're like, man, my gift is giving, and I see trash on the floor, and it's like, oh, That's not my gift. Well, congratulations, you've just been given the gift of pick it up, right? So go pick it up. It's just a calling. We're we're in this together, okay? So don't get that confused that, that you are exempt from anything except your supernatural gift. You're not exempt from it. But there is a a calling for you to know what God has given you as a spiritual gift and to use it for the cause of Christ to serve one another in love. Okay? The calling of leaders then is. If we're going to walk by faith in this, what my calling in and our calling as elders and even our calling as as people who lead different parts of the ministry, deacons and team leaders and all that, is to identify the Spirit's design. We are looking at the people God has given us and saying, what are you 
supernaturally gifted at? What's your thing? What's, what's the stuff you just do? And then to deploy you into that role. To say, let's, let's remove the barriers. Let's find a way for you to use that gift in all of its fullness. Because if God's designing the body of Christ, our act of faith is to say, if God's given you that gift, he must want us to use it. So let's respond to that and put you in a spot where you can use that gift. Right? Like, in other words, it's not about what do I need or whatever. It's about what has God given us. So we're looking for, if God's brought these people into our church, there's something he's given them that he wants them to use. How do, we, how do we deploy them? How do we launch them into that? How do we equip them spiritually? How do we uh, fill them up with, with truth and with the Spirit so that the Spirit of God can be working and they're, they're fully able and capable to go do the work that the Spirit has gifted them to do? Right? So when we, when we do the music stuff, it's like, okay, let's look at what God has given people. Let's, let's listen or watch play. or whatever. Let's look at what God has given people, and we're going to respond to that because we trust that God gives people he wants to do music stuff certain level of musical ability. Right? People who want to teach. Like, if you hate kids... God's probably not called you to work in the kids' ministry. He might have. It might be your problem. But the reality is most of the time he gives you a heart for kids if he wants you to serve with kids. You know what I mean? So we're looking for how did God make you? And if God made you a certain way, there's probably a reason he made you that way. How can we use you for the kingdom of God? And that might take some time. It might take some, some trial and error. You know, It might take some, like, try this out. Not my thing. Try that out. And we're always up for that. You know, I, I gave it a shot. It's not really, I can't really do that. It's just too much. We've put people in roles before and it's just not working. And we say, listen, this is, we thought this would be a good spot for you. It's not a good spot for you. Let's find the right spot for you because this is just, this isn't working. That's not a cut. That's not a teardown. That's not a, you know, you're, you're not worth anything. That's why would we use you in a place that clearly God hasn't gifted you and to frustrate you and to, we want to respond to what we see as the spirit of God at work in you. And the spirit of God is the one who assigns the gifts. Let's find out what that gift is and let's use it. Does that make sense? So that's what we want to do. All right. So we'll pick up there next time to each one, the manifestation. We're going to go through some of the gifts that he gives here. There are more gifts he gives later. And there are other places that we see gifts, spiritual gifts in the New Testament. So we'll talk about that next time. All right.